Hey everybody, welcome back. This is episode 51 of the Whistling in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Bradley. And uh, today is Monday, July 27th, 2020. And I am joined once again by Adam Steele. Hello, good to be here. Thanks for coming back. It has, uh, it's been a little while. I did the last uh, marathon solo episode 50. Uh, It was a three hour um, kind of, I I think I blacked out. I think when I, when I came out of it, uh, I managed to talk three hours about one short article on the, uh, the (laughs) Russian bounties in Afghanistan. Yeah. it really, really bugged me, I guess. So, uh, and, you know, as with most of the stuff, it's gone away. Um, yeah, I'm not forgotten. Even, yeah, yeah, no no big deal. I mean, uh, as usual, Trump had been uh, accused of straight up treason and, um, you know, basically like not caring about killing these troops and nobody, nobody cares at all. Um, so, you know, we were right again. I'm sure even though you weren't on, uh, you you probably felt the same way. that It, it stinks. They're always like ridiculously overhyped. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's it's the day's distraction. It's what, you know, it's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> yeah. But our old friend COVID-19 is making a resurgence. I would say uh, if I had my, you know, news meter on COVID-19 it it's hot but it's not blowing up but I I actually think you know a couple weeks ago it was a little bit bigger of a topic and I wonder if it does well I'm gonna defer to you on this but I I have been looking a bit and it seems like there may have been we may have sort of hit the the recent national peak and starting to come down a bit in cases at least um Mm -hmm. you know as we said that number is is tough to uh to really use by itself but i can't imagine less people are getting tested now or, or maybe they are maybe people are you know realizing that like you know, unless you're like infirmed to begin with, it's probably not a huge deal. But yeah, so uh, what's what's the latest COVID nineteen news? It, it's basically what I predicted when we talked a few weeks ago. Uh, we're a big country. Um, some places got hit extremely hard, and some places saw nothing. So what I said was that I thought we were going to have a few more regional outbreaks, and that's exactly what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't been very severe, certainly not by the standards of places like New Jersey and New York, but they've seen a ton of cases. Um, but it's mostly good news. I mean, it would be absurd to think that like places that hardly ever saw any cases were going to never see any cases because it's the same virus. It's going to get around eventually until there's some other treatment. Mm-hmm. So there's no particular reason to believe places like Texas, California, Arizona, unless they stayed locked down until we literally have like some kind of vaccine, we're going to avoid any number of cases entirely. That was never even the plan to begin with, which is what's a little bit strange about all of the, the recent talk about the places that have had these new cases. So yeah. for those of you who may have been watching, you know, Arizona, Texas, Florida, and California, have seen uh, an increase in case count for the past uh, three weeks, four weeks or so. 
Um, it spiked up pretty hard. Um, there was a lot of, uh, I don't even know what to call it at this point. I mean, basically it was rooting for the virus is what I saw in the media. Yeah. Um, because it, it, it was, well, we can get it, we can delve maybe into the politics a little after, but the, mm-hmm. the bottom line is that it's mostly good news actually. So these places have seen like very, very increased case counts, which was unfortunate of course, but was inevitable to some extent, but it has already started to come down in places. Arizona being like the biggest of them come the daily case count has come way down already. Uh, tomorrow will be a pretty key day, actually, because Tuesdays tend to be really high. Uh, basically, there's a lot of like reporting that gets backlogged and then doesn't get actually cleared on Monday, but gets cleared on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it'll be a pretty big day, but it already looks like e- even the death counts are starting to come down. Um, so, so basically, first, the case counts started to rise a lot and the deaths were not rising very much. And you had some people saying, oh, well, we're not going to see any increased deaths, uh, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, we're always going to see some, but it's much, much less than the first wave. And that's predominantly because now we have a lot more tests, so we're catching a larger fraction of overall cases. And uh, the more recent cases, uh, the age, uh, average age of the person testing positive has dropped by like 15 years. Um, and because of how lopsided the uh, rate of deaths are to the very elderly, uh, that was inevitably going to result in fewer deaths for this. Uh, I mean, I would call it a first wave, but for the state that got hit relatively later. Yeah. So uh, it's looking it's looking real good. Uh, Arizona's heading down. Uh, let's see. What is Florida? Is, is it the cases have rolled over? The deaths are still going up a bit. Tomorrow we'll see if they uh, start to go down as well. Um, Texas is still going up pretty, pretty fast, but I anticipate it turning over as well pretty soon. Um, California never had a, oh, it's Texas's, uh, positivity rate, which is the ratio of people who test positive, the total tests has dropped quite a bit. So I think it's going to be okay as well. So between the combination of uh, case count already rolling over and average age being lower, I think these states are going to see nowhere, nowhere near as many deaths uh, per capita as the early states like New York and New Jersey. Yeah, just looking real quick. I mean, New York at one point, uh, when they were in their worst, I mean, they had like a thousand deaths a day. Yes. And it looks like Texas just got a bit over 200 at their at their yeah. peak. And and like you're saying, I mean, we we may not be at the peak of deaths depending like since the case has just sort of rolled over right. last week um you know it could be because there, there was a pretty substantial delay before the the deaths picked up you know when we saw the cases yeah. a couple weeks at least so i i think i'm under i mean they could get up you know high, higher than that I, I don't know like 250 at you know it's really but, only like a two-week delay that we're seeing which is less than most people were uh, predicting mm-hmm. um, I still think the dynamics here are not very well understood. I mean, even the testing at this point, there was extreme delays. So uh, my sister went to get uh, a a COVID test. And if you go in there at this point, still in New Jersey, you think one of these places that would really be on the ball because they got hit so hard. If you go in, they're like, well, it'll take two to 10 days to get your results. (laughs) Two to 10 days. It's like if someone comes in and they think they've been exposed, what are they supposed to do for 
two to 10 days. Right, right. Unless you pay for expedited. And if you pay for expedited, you can get your results real fast. So, yeah. Yeah. I had, extent, a, I had a couple, just a, scam. a couple of friends <laughs> in my neighborhood that got tested. Actually, I think it turned out that they, they were positive and they were pretty sure that his uh, fiance works uh, with, with like special needs kids. So she's been, she kind of only was furloughed for a little bit of time. And, you know, the kids are, mm-hmm. are certainly, um, you know, little super spreaders. So uh, <laughs> she wound up getting it. It, it felt, it had a, a, a sense of inevitability, um, but she definitely had like symptoms, I think like with the, the breath, the shortness of breath or whatever the, you know, and had a was, fever. Was and everything. Huh? It was just a, we had this? It was just a, some friends of mine, but you know, oh, it okay. wasn't like the tests came back. I think by the time they got the test results, they were like better. Um, I think my, <laughs> I think the guy, uh, my buddy, I think he might've went to another place then and got a quick turnaround. Um, mm-hmm. so it was just sort of, you know, I don't know, all, all over the, all over the place. Um, but yeah, looking at Florida, I mean, Florida hasn't even hit 200. They're more like around 150 deaths a day. Yeah. And they look kind of similar. You know, they, they, they seem to be on their second week of decline in, in cases. So, yep. you know, you yep. could start to see this come down and, uh, um, yeah, I, <laughs> so I, I, Part of the reason that we haven't done an episode in a couple or, well, in almost a month is because I was traveling and I was actually up in Pennsylvania and Delaware and stuff. Um, Yeah, and things are definitely more locked down up there than here. Um, I I think it's also kind of the just the energy of it all. It feels a little heavier. Um, Yeah. You know, more, definitely more masks and, and, and everything like that. Um, but I did, I found it that there was at one point, there was this fear that, uh, if you came even from Delaware into Pennsylvania, you would have to quarantine. Um, (laughs) it's like, I mean, people make that commute every day for work. Like, what are you talking about? You know? Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I drove into New Jersey. I saw the sign. Please call. It was like seven one one or something to determine your quarantine status. Yeah. It's like this is an advisory at this point. You're not really doing this. Yeah, so. it is crazy. I, you know, and I mean, it's just it's so funny. Like, what an absolutely like horrific job New York and New Jersey did. You know, particularly mm-hmm. with the nursing homes and how you know to kind of move to the political side of it like how quickly they are to you know people like making fun of florida you know like i never heard any of my liberal friends making fun of new york for the way they handled it but it was you know an order of magnitude worse <laughs> yeah than, it's you been, know. Go ahead. it's been a hell of a thing watching people like say new york really crushed it it's like yeah no they crushed their people they're dead now. Yeah, they killed a bunch of old people. <laughs> like, not cool. And it's the and these other states, you know, they're they're not. It doesn't look like at this point they're going to do nearly as bad. Now, I mean, it does raise the question: what went so wrong in New York and New Jersey? And I don't think we're really going to understand the answer to that for a while. I have some of my own theories, but they're kind of speculative at this point. Um, but it's not. It doesn't make a lot of sense. 
and the the crowing with these people is just like it's just it's purely performative you know they they need to believe that you know these very blue states that they admire did a great job and that these yokels yeah. in the south are mm. morons and are, of course are going to suffer for their stupidity yeah um, yeah i mean it's the same thing with europe you know what i mean like i i I mean, the audacity of somebody in France to, to like, point their finger at the United States. It's like, I mean, you guys have more, like, significantly more deaths per capita. You yeah. know, like, so I, I don't really know what what other statistic matters. You know what I mean? And, and it's, you know, it it's just like, and look, I, like you're saying, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what governs these things, but when the data is literally the opposite of, of what they're stating. I mean, it's hard to not like want to rebut a little bit. And just I will say like Europe as a total, which has like roughly twice the population of the U S uh, on a per capita basis, it does have fewer, significantly fewer cumulative deaths than we do. But there are a lot of really poorer places in Europe that where the reporting may not be great. So it's kind of tough. To, oh yeah, I'm I'm talking Western Europe. You're just looking at like, but yeah, you're looking at France. Like, basically, what are the countries France, that turn Spain, their nose up at the United States? You put the France, big, United I mean, Kingdom. yeah, the big countries that you think of as Europe: Germany, yeah. UK, France, Italy, Spain. Yeah, you add them in. together, way worse than here. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and yeah, and the poor com- countries was probably like weren't even counting. So. <laughs> I mean, you got, you know, whatever, you got Sweden, you know what I mean? But like Sweden and uh, the Netherlands, I mean, they're contributing like, they got like two, three million people or something ridiculous, you know? I mean, it's it's really, uh, I, you know, it's not, I, I think you like add them up all together and the Netherlands Yeah, I mean, is it, is, it is important. So this is a point that gets lost actually. And I, so I want to make it clear is that there are places where, they did well, partially because they ramped up the testing a lot. And then they look at the U.S. and say, you did a terrible job at testing. And what I like to remind people who say this is, when you are a very small country, you are not a significant load of like overall tests in the globe. So capacity doesn't need to ramp up to accommodate. You just need the will to purchase the tests. Mm-hmm. If you're a huge company like the United States or China the testing capacity just isn't there for you to saturate with testing. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. it's sense. not the same problem at all. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, Canada has have, is, is starting to see an increase in cases. That's right. So, so, so Canada, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting that the, um, basically, uh, so far, what I've seen is that no place that had a really strong first wave has had a second. Mm. And the places that did very well at suppression are, which is like, it is pretty much what you'd expect. So from a certain extent, there isn't anything that's too surprising here. Mm-hmm. To me, what's more surprising is places like maybe Canada and Australia thinking that because they reduced their case counts from their first peak, that they were somehow like out of the woods or never going to see it again. It's like they forgot the plan of action they were selling initially, Mm -hmm. which is we're deferring cases into the future. Right. That's what we're doing. Yeah. In the hopes that there would be 
some vaccine, which, you know, I, of course, thought was like perhaps on the timescales we're talking, not very realistic. Treatments, on the other hand, were realistic, I thought. And I think that might have been better emphasized early on. And those are starting to come on more online. And I think ultimately these may explain the biggest difference between places like New York and New Jersey and the Mm -hmm. states later on. Uh, Even really simple stuff like administering uh, steroids to people, which is like a very common thing for like uh, uh, lung infections, Mm -hmm. uh, proved to reduce fatality rates, uh, not aggressively intubating people, which they were doing a lot a lot in New York state early on uh, stopping doing that may have made a difference in some of these other states too. So, yeah. Um, it, what is the latest on the vaccine? So there are three, there are three vaccines that I think are going to be moving to phase three trials. There's the Moderna, there's a Pfizer, and I can't remember the name of the third. Um, they all have had some, uh, I think, phase one. In, so, th- so they succeeded in animal models. Uh, they tested them in humans to make sure there weren't any extreme side effects and there weren't any big ones. Um, some, some side effects, but nothing that was like at least immediate and severe. Uh, the biggest problem is, uh, A, the number of doses that are going to be required, the manufacturing that will need to be ramped up, and, and B, I still feel like we're not treat like for all the headspace that this problem has occupied. I feel like we're still not treating it seriously uh, because we could get through like a phase three trial mm-hmm. uh, with a high degree of confidence in the results very quickly if we assembled volunteers to be infected to, to receive a vaccine and then be exposed to COVID. Uh, but as far as I can tell, they're not doing that anyway. So they're going to give this vaccine to people and then just like release them into the wild and then try to infer from that how likely, you know, the people who didn't receive it were to get it versus that. And because the, the disease is so different in so many different places, I feel like this is going to be a really hard statistical problem to, fig- to figure out or to get like clear data back. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you need if you want to convince people that uh, the risks of a new vaccine that is frankly going to be pushed out more quickly than would normally be the case are worth it against like the risk of COVID, particularly for the young people, which if you want to have a degree of immunity is what's going to be required. Yeah. Hmm. So <clears throat> I think we talked about this before and oh my God, wait till I, wait till I hit you with this uh, headline I just pulled up, but <laughs> Can't wait. It's, so funny. it's literally like the opposite of what we're saying. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so um, so I can't remember if this was our, our last episode together or just me by myself. Um, but I looking at New York, and I I just did like a really simple kind of look at the stats here. Let's um, let's pull up the U.S. And it's kind of a funny little thing. When you do this. So we got New York and mm-hmm. we've got, um, let's say the, the, I forget exactly. I think the, the lockdown happened uh, the 17th possibly. Uh, but let's just say, I don't know, March 26th. It's my oldest brother's birthday. So there were 186 okay. 
uh, deaths that that day. Um, I don't know what we want to look at more. The cases, there was... Right, so they jumped up a lot there. They were like 6,000 cases. Um, yeah. No, it actually did. It actually really did matter when it... So if you look the day it... All right, what day did New York down for COVID-19? I believe it was the... Sorry, I know this is uh, really interesting... Um, shit. I think it was the seventeenth. Don't want that. Uh, after seventy-eight days on June eighth, can you do that math? <laughs> it has, on June eighth they had been locked down for seventy-eight days. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's a lot. Yeah, so that would be, let's say, what, um, yeah, I mean, it's somewhere right around, I think it was the 17th, if I'm I'm not mistaken, but, uh, so there were 742 cases, so, you know, like, the lockdown, um, was, I mean, they have yesterday reported 845 cases, so, mm-hmm. without herd immunity, why? what other explanation could there be for why isn't there just like another explosion? They're not locked down anymore. They're not nearly as locked down as they used to be. So, like, if they had no, if there was no new herd immunity type of thing, like, why don't, why doesn't it just explode back up? Uh, well, I mean, I think the answer is there is no other answer besides some or partial herd immunity or something. Um, I mean, what do you people think? can change. People can change their habits too. Uh, mm-hmm. But based on looking at things like there, it's very difficult to get a handle on uh, how big of an effect that is. Which is why people argue about it so much. The habits. Um, there, there have been p- attempts to look at things like Google mobility data. So you look at how much people are like moving around with their phones, and mm-hmm. you look at it over time. And people, even before like uh, the state mandated lockdowns and it tend to return to their normal activities. Oh yeah. I mean, um, I work for a park. Well, my company is a parking application. And so, you know, our numbers came back well, you know, before they, there you, the go. Lockdowns you guys are probably got some great data on this yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It, and you know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's still not all the way back uh, either. So, yeah. I mean, there is, there's a point, but compared to the beginning of the lockdown, we literally went from, full operation to 90 lost 95 percent of our revenue overnight i mean it was just gone you know um and 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 that's the entire country we're a national we're, we're the biggest you know uh, uh mobile like parking solution or whatever there is um, i say and we literally the entire country in the same week locked down um yeah. and uh we went, yeah, 95% of our, it was actually even a little more than that, but because um, we have some other uh, revenue too that got reduced to zero. <laughs> but uh, yeah. anyway, so um, been, like, no it, doubt. It, like, and the way, what I can say is that this, it's been very difficult to establish a causal connection between the lockdowns and the number of case counts. Mm-hmm. It's been looked at, been looked at by, you know, big investment firm like uh, 
Morgan Stanley and a few others, uh, Merrill Lynch or Merrill Lynch, I can't remember which one of those it was, it's been looked at by academics and the results are like at best mixed. Yeah. Whether or not it did anything in addition. So like people's behavior definitely was modified as your data shows, Mm -hmm. whether or not state mandates did something in addition to that is the part that's much harder to to see. Yeah. And I, like you said, I mean, all they're doing is just pushing it to the to the future. So, it in the absence of a treatment, that is true, and that's yeah. what the, the most honest people who are in favor of the lockdown. That is like what they are trying to convince you of. That yeah. if we push this into the future, we'll have better treatments and or a vaccine. The treatment right. part was never emphasized, but seems like the most reasonable. Right. Uh, the vaccine part, I have always been skeptical of. I may yet be proven wrong by it because there are some things that are in trials. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll basically, see. yeah. No, that that's a good point. The treatment thing. I mean, I know you just made it like five minutes ago as well, but it took two times before it stuck in my head. <laughs> but I got it now. Uh, but yeah, well, yeah, mean, the, that the can point, make sense. The point there is that with the vaccine, it's like you have to do it for the virus, and it and it's new. Mm-hmm. So no one and no one's done it before, as we talked about, like on our very first podcast. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like things that might not work there. But if you think of this in terms of like a general respiratory infection, you have a lot of experience fighting. Yeah. So uh, CNN current uh, headlines. I mean, and <laughs> so if in case we were wondering, yes, COVID-19 is the number one story. You go to CNN dot com. And at yeah. the top, it says COVID-19, your local resource. Whatever that means, that's just nonsense. Why is CNN my local resource? <laughs> I wouldn't trust them to be my yeah. local resource. No. I mean, I guess they're local for me. They are centered in Atlanta, but I mean, I'm pretty sure this is Aren't isn't they moving it. out of that building because it got like attacked oh. or something? <laughs> I don't know. Are they? I, I hadn't heard. <laughs> I thought I heard that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I mean, I don't know where they would go I mean, maybe they've been wanting to, to leave it's an odd place to like run a company out of. i'm sure they're spread into different places it's um it is like connected to the basketball arena kind of um, um okay and there's a hotel and there's like some big kind of food court area so they they kind of do a thing where they have windows that you can see in from the kind of food court sort of common area. So I guess you kind of see what, so in that sense, if they just moved into a regular building, they would lose that and they would probably wouldn't have as many people doing tours and stuff, but I don't know that (laughs) that's really moving the needle for CNN or not. Uh, But uh, so here, here we go. So I used to, I used to read down through CNN headlines, and it was amazing how many were about Trump. And yeah, I remember those. I, uh, so now we we we've got COVID nineteen trying to dethrone him <laughs> uh, on the CNN hand, headline count. But anyway, and and I haven't counted this. I was just just looking, but and uh, so yeah, it's all COVID nineteen. They they made like a separate. Um, kind of navigation that looks like just all about uh COVID nineteen. I don't know. They're okay. It's it's a very busy page. <clears throat> anyway, their number one headline, DeSantis 
earlier bravado fuels Florida's crisis. Florida yeah. has become a global ground zero for COVID-19 <laughs> cases and a poster child for Trump administration allies' failure in responding to the pandemic. So is I, I guess we were wrong about political alliances. I guess New York, and particularly New York City, is, a, is an ally of Trump. I, di- I didn't know that. Because they were the worst, you know. <laughs> what an insane headline. Like, it's, oh, man. Yeah. And, I, you know, no, the... Funny thing about this, it's like when I talk to other people, you know, uh, like like I always say, like most of my friends are are liberal. You know, most of my friends are kind of in their 30s or early 40s, um, mostly liberal, even down here in Georgia uh, because I'm in Atlanta. Um, Yeah. And it's it's interesting that. Like, I can't really wrap my head around their take on the news. Like, they understand most of the time when I talk to them that, you know, whatever you're, unless you're looking at Fox News, you're basically looking at, like, a Democrat publication, you know? Like, there's mm-hmm. no, I mean, and, and I would say even Reuters and AP, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. uh, they're they're obviously softer, you know. They use a different, you know, a different tact. But uh, yeah. I mean, they are no friend of the Republican Party for sure. And uh, and I think there there's like an a, a, this thing that like like something like NPR is the real deal, you know. Like that's the true. It's like <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, uh, but yeah. but the fact that they will still to this day just take these headlines at face value. Uh, I don't know. I, I just don't it's, know what to do. I, it, there, there is none. I mean, it's just, you can't stop someone who really wants to convince themselves of something else. I mean, the, the, the thing in Florida initially, even this is weeks and weeks before there was any actual significant number of cases. There were stories about Florida and how stupid they were to open the beaches. Those had no effect whatsoever but right. i must have seen at least five articles about the beaches alone mm-hmm. and it's <laughs> it, it's very hard to understand why they think that's like a good use of their time it's like the connection there is tenuous and unproven uh, nothing ever became of it and that's how they I, I just don't understand it so I think that this is the this is the uh, tactic. This is you know again, this is just my you know. I mean, I feel like I have probably tracked CNN more closely than you know. Probably, I'm probably in the 99th percentile of non liberals that have like <laughs> scoured over CNN's headlines and articles. Um, yeah, this is this is my little theory on it. I believe that. They accuracy doesn't really matter. They they only shout the accusations loudly, and they never, um, you know, and any correction to that or you know is is just a buried, you know, buried deep in their site. 
it never gets on the front page. So people never really right. see that. And by the time you find, the, by the time, you know, there's some information about that the Steele dossier was like a hoax and was apparently the FBI was aware of it and they yeah. lied to get these FISA warrants or whatever, or misrepresented it to spy on Trump. What Once that sort of actually comes to light, they've, you know, they've just moved on to DeSantis or they make up the... Uh, the uh, bounties or something, you know, what I mean? whatever, it doesn't matter. Like it's just that yeah. new thing. And then, you know, I mean, the bounties just seem so obviously, it just fits so well into their MO. It's just like, what? Are, I mean, I mean, this is like crazy. <laughs> They're like, Trump would ignore that. I, I don't know. It just, you know, it seemed like outrageous. And, and, you know, there, there's just, I mean, there's just no corroboration to it. There's no, like, even the the intelligence agencies said that, you know, it, this wasn't very good, uh, you know, data or whatever, information. And anyway, so I think that what, what people, it's, I mean, it's just propaganda, right? So yeah, the, there's a basically. common theme and the theme is Trump is a traitor or is just, evil he's a bad evil person and they you know nobody no normal person is is keeping score so while that you know maybe they that you know and again right it's like if you look over this headline and there's no not one thing anti you know that's not like opposed to trump or whatever um, or pushing this agenda in one way or the other. You know, you got child hospitalizations from COVID-19 surge, 23% in Florida. Vaccines are remarkably safe, uh, review finds. Tom Cotton describes slavery as a necessary evil. Yeah, that one was silly. Uh, but any, anyway, you know, and some of these might be true. You know, the, I don't know if you know who Michael Malice is, um, but he... I do, yeah. He says, um, I can't remember exactly like his quote but he says basically they're factually correct but they're mm -hmm. a lie like that that's you know a big yeah. that that they just they presented in in sort of very poor context but but i just think that you know sometimes, it's kind of like oh well this yeah. like if i say the steel dossier right if i'm talking to somebody's like hey you know like that was just I mean, it's basically all BS, like the whole, whole thing. They're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Like they'll even can, can give you that. But in their mind, there's just been so many things and he's That's so right. bad that, okay, maybe they missed this one or that one and they don't perceive it the way I do, which is most of these. And, and again, not to like, you know, I'm not going and voting for Trump, but, uh, you know, uh, most of their... and. Like a, a lot of people will say too, it's like there's a lot you could attack this guy on. It's just not this yeah. stuff, you know. Right. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know maybe maybe the economy or something or uh, you know he's still got all these wars rocking and rolling. I mean, I guess he's you know moderately uh, toned it down. But anyway, that's well, it, that's it, my. It, uh, it's interesting. We can on the next podcast maybe we'll talk about Bolton's book, and I think you'll. You, you will be very interested to think, see about like what the inside discussions on this type of stuff are and what his view was when he came in and how it, the interactions with his advisors uh, proceeded to create the policy that we have right now. Um, 
yeah, so yeah we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah, I've heard um, a bit about that uh, and just saying that, like, I think the straw that broke the camel's back was that when Trump wanted to leave Afghanistan or something, like, that was just, like, a bridge too far. There was a far. lot of straws, and yeah. they were for a lot of different people. But the, the question that is on people's minds a lot is, like, this guy is kind of all over the place in terms of his policy. And it becomes a little bit easier to see where that comes from when you see the interactions between him and his advisors and how, like, opposed they are uh, often. Um, but but let's let's just save that. Let's save that for, like, okay. a more full discussion. So we can talk about, like, all the different issues there, like Afghanistan, Syria, uh, Ukraine, all this stuff, all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier, which is, so... As, as much as it seems like for some of your friends, like they're not really paying attention, they're getting snookered by this stuff, it is becoming increasingly the case among some people that this is just propaganda. I have uh, a friend of mine who's like pretty left wing, but he has gotten to the point where he basically can't trust any like mainstream news, especially the headlines, but rarely even the articles anymore. Hmm. Because he knows what BS it is. And the Tom Cotton thing was an example of this where it says like, he is saying that slavery was a necessary evil. But if you go and actually read what he said, he was describing someone else's views as that. And there isn't even any implication that these are his views or that they weren't somebody else's. And so this is like a very easy way to like to slam someone is when they're describing someone else's use to attribute it to that person, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so for for this guy I was talking to, it was basically like that. that, that it was funny too because it's like another Tom Cotton instance. Whereas, like, there was that New York Times editorial as well, and it was the same thing. And I said to him, "I was like, why are you defending Tom Cotton all the time?" He's like, "I know, I don't even know, I don't even <laughs> like this guy." Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but they keep making things up about him and making me like, have to read up about Tom Cotton. Yeah. I don't care about Tom Cotton. <laughs> yeah, why is he like the whipping boy all of a sudden? I I like honestly don't even really know who he is. I, I feel like at one point I did, and I've already forgotten. He's he's so he's inconsequential. Like a senator from I don't even know what state he's from. <laughs> Man. Arkansas. I, I was going to say Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. So he's trying to reinstate slavery. That's crazy. I can't believe that's it. The, that's of course the implication, or right. that he has no problem with it. Which is like, <laughs> even if a senator believed that, he wouldn't say it. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So, like, how gullible do you have to be to think that someone would admit that honestly, even if that was like their sincere belief? Like, unless they're saying, like, it's like a hidden camera or hidden right, mic situation. Right, right, like, Yeah, like, like, like Trump, you know, grab him by right. the pussy or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That at least was like, yeah, I could believe he said that when he thought no one was listening. But this is like a public speech. You're not going to say something that's, like, beyond the pale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we missed, uh, we missed, um... The episode, well, I mean, we missed doing an episode after his uh, July 3rd speech, which I thought was interesting. I don't know why he didn't, Trump didn't talk on July 4th, but the uh, Rushmore one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was another one that was, like, uh, strangely, like, there's plenty I could pick apart in the speech, but, like, there's plenty in there that was just, like, generally fine, but yeah. 
is it was painted as if it was this like bizarre, like crazy anti-America yeah. rant. And it was very strange. It's that's it. And this is what you and I have said over and over. There isn't a dearth of things to complain about with this guy, like real criticisms you could make. Yeah. I mean, so uh, certainly from our time on this nonsense. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. Because if people live on Twitter, that's the reason. I think because a lot of what they would have to attack him for are things that also Obama did. So, you know, like if you're going to go after him for the Middle East policy or something, yeah. I mean, you know, so I, I think it's the places where the status, he, you know, he still is pretty status quo in a lot of stuff, you know, as far as the, yeah. you know, the uh, whatever, doing the bidding of whomever, the deep state or the big corporate <laughs> lobbies or whatever. Um, right. So, you know, nobody's going to go after him for that. It's it's kind of where he breaks from it. And um, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's it, like to me, the biggest evidence that this guy uh, isn't part of of the. The establishment is how, like, insane they are about going after him. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you may be able to say that, well, this is basically what Fox News did with Obama, but I, do, I don't really recall. Maybe I had an easier time just, just you know, ignoring it as, as ri ridiculous because yeah. it, I, but I don't recall it just being nonstop and, and being just like manufactured. But you could also say that, well, this was the left's response. Like the left basically took a bunch of, you know, BS from, from Fox news for eight years. And then now they're just like pouring it back on even harder. Um, so it's yeah, like, a, I don't know. It ain't, it ain't good. The, the difference. And this is what I was thinking about today is that the, the big difference, and I wouldn't say this has happened in any particular time, was I remember when criticisms of a politician were criticisms of the things they were doing and not just like made up stuff. <laughs> like in the run up to the Iraq war, like I remember how controversial it was and how the discussion was like about the WMDs and the quality of the of the intelligence and was it real and was Bush talking about like this yellow cake stuff that was in Africa? Does that really matter? Does it not? You know, mm -hmm. uh, but those were criticisms of things that were actually done. Yeah. The criticisms I've heard of late are things that are just made up like the, the Trump's July 3rd speech, uh, this, all this stuff with Tom Cotton, whether it be the New York times article or this other speech he gave recently. It's just, it's a criticism of something that didn't actually happen, which is weird yeah. because there's plenty, like I said, there's plenty of stuff to actually complain about. And that's what's different now. And I don't know if that's just because it's easier for a moron to grasp something that's really simple and made up than like knowing what yellow cake is and why it's not like a good indicator of an active nuclear program. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I do not know. Um, yeah, I, I guess I would just probably go back to 
that the places that you would legitimately go after him for are probably the, you know, the that the uh, corporate cronies like don't really want him attacked on. <clears throat> Possibly, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's the protection. Trump's biggest flaws. He doesn't know anything about history. He doesn't <laughs> know how to talk to other world leaders. He's a protectionist. He believes in tariffs like he has been all over the place, whether he wants to stop the wars overseas or he wants to keep them going. His messaging has been absolutely crazy on immigration. Even if you like were a fan of overall more restrictions, the way in which he has got about it is completely like unprofessional and and unpresidential in the way that he has done it. Uh, the stuff in Portland, which, you know, we're getting kind of late here, but yeah. there's like plenty to talk about there from a libertarian perspective, especially like, uh, his, his attempts to, to turn Ukraine to his advantage, his attempts to use his relationships with China to, to get votes in farming states by having them buy more soybeans. It's like it goes on and on and on and on and on. But these are not the things that are generally talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the Portland would be the one thing that that we uh, we might uh, take um you know, we may have a have have take issue with is yeah. and and yeah. So yeah, we can. I did want to talk about that at least briefly. Yeah, um, cool. The uh, so the the riots rage on. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I I think that you have some, you know, there are some sort of entity that I believe morphs from protest to riot as time goes on. As I think as the night comes. Uh, they become more riotous. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a, sort of amazed that they're still doing damage and destroying property. <clears throat> I thought that this would, once it wound down, I thought it would be, be gone. But And I, I don't want to get into too much of a tangent on that uh, as to why. Because I, I think I would like to maybe next time talk a little bit more about the Black Lives Matter and, and, you know, the things about, you know, what's really driving this thing, you know, because uh, sure. it sure seems to have some legs. And I don't think that our normal friends stay this mad for this long without somebody really priming the pump for them mm -hmm. over and over and over and over. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, there mm -hmm. things have been very active in Portland which, you know, I could argue is probably the whitest big city in America. Um, yeah. It was very interesting that, <laughs> that I actually, my a couple jobs ago, they wanted me to relocate there. That's where they wanted to put the office and everything. And I visited and it just, I just couldn't do it, man. I, you know, um, it was just, it was just weird. It just felt like it wasn't a real culture. Uh, mm -hmm. It was, it, it, yeah, it was just like some weird, like millennial organic <laughs> coffee shop thing, you know, like, uh, you know, just, uh, it, it was very weird, you know, there wasn't, it, it uh, and I mean, it, it's, it's kind of interesting, but to, to think that, that what's normal for me and natural is a mixture of cultures sort of living yeah. together. And I think they sort of put checks on each other, like not get too wild, you know? 
Like, yeah. I mean, you just feel like in Portland, you'll have some like guy in a leotard juggling, like riding a unicycle down the street, you know? And there's no like, where's the other cultures to be like, bro, like, what are you doing? You know, it's just like white Why people, would you do that? <laughs> yeah, white people gone wild. They just, <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So I, and I feel like they so overcompensate and they, they riot so hard and they, they try so hard and they want to be communists. Um, but yes, yeah, so during this time, I guess Trump uh, released the hounds to some extent. Um, I don't know if you if you have yeah, like I mean, details there. Two, or, there are two federal buildings there mm-hmm. uh, that it's disputed whether or not they became the center of protest before or after these uh, federal. Uh, officers, it's like not totally clear what agency they're from. There have been reports of like U.S. Marshals or like a division of the Customs and Border Patrol, but they generally don't wear like name tags or insignia. So that's part of the problem is nobody knows really where these people are coming from. But uh, putting aside the dispute about what came first, the chicken or the egg, like the centering on the federal buildings or the response, basically uh, Portland police weren't going to do anything about these crowds gathering around the federal buildings and the federal uh the the federal government decided it wanted to deploy these troops to defend these buildings rather than just letting things die down on their own you know Mm -hmm. um and you know you could argue with this way and that which way it should go um so we could get into that but basically what's happened since then is now there have been there have been talks that the troops are escalating it there have been other people saying, no, it's the protesters. And there's definitely like attempts to like break over the fences in front of the building and set fires to the building. And they're shining uh, fairly strong green laser pointers in the eyes of any officers that come out of the building, which, as you and I both know, as people who work with lasers, it really doesn't take more than a few milliwatts to cause permanent uh, damage to someone. Yeah. Uh, so that's like treated it to be unserious, but at fairly short range with the pointers that you can get these days. I mean, it's very easy to blind someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, Whether or not it would be better to defuse the situation or to say defend your property is, you know, anybody's guess. I mean, if it was my house, I think I have a right to defend it. Right. Um, If it's the federal government, sometimes I might say, well, maybe prudent should, should take the day here. And, you know, if you, don't do anything. Maybe these people will go away. It's hard to say. I mean, I do have a big problem, and this is something that we can discuss. I think a lot of libertarians may, uh, so there's on people on both sides, but uh, I don't. I have a bad feeling about uh, federal uh, officers of any form uh, going into a U.S. city without being specifically like requested their presence there, mm-hmm. uh, particularly to defend like almost particularly to defend the federal building. Like in the case of in Seattle where they had like Chaz, there you had a situation where people who lived in the city, like they have a right to their private property and the city completely abdicates his responsibility to defend it. Mm. Like to me, that's a civil rights issue. Yeah. That it would be more appropriate to send federal troops in there and say, look, you can't just throw your citizens to like the wolves here. They have some certain rights and mm-hmm. if you're not going to defend them, we will. Uh, here we're talking about basically just a building that's owned by the federal government. I mean, do I care that much about that? Maybe I don't. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, a, a friend of mine was asking. He's a he's a liberal guy, and um, but he he's pretty well aware. Um, he at least. He, he's pretty well aware of where our, our Venn diagram crosses, you know, with like <laughs> the police and, and things like that. And so he was asking me about what I thought of this. And and I told him and, you know, I have another buddy of mine that I, an under my undergraduate roommate. And um, he talks a lot about being a libertarian, as he said, you know, he said one of the things that kind of bothers him is he, he said he, he feels like he's almost like reduced to being like a lawyer all the time, you know, like, well, mm -hmm. whose property was it? And then who aggressed against it? You know, like trying to figure it's like, you can't have like an actual emotion about, <laughs> about anything. And, and I really felt that he just got sort of snowed under by that, that type of response for me. And as I really try and, you know, cause I, I don't know, I want to stay friends with him and stuff. And I, I know that this probably matters a lot more to him than me, um, and that that might be the biggest part of this response uh, that might be interesting as a libertarian, or you know, just for me personally, is that I didn't feel a whole lot about this um, mm -hmm. compared to the compared to my reaction and feelings regarding something like Chaz or just, you know, the general destruction of buildings and just rioting in general. Um, so, because I, I guess, and I, so I thought about it for a little while. Um, I mean, first of all, I think in my head, I look at it as, hey, these are communists. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like two baddies fighting each other. Um, yeah. <laughs> now that meant, you know, that obviously they're not all communists or, you know, whatever. I, I, maybe not even the majority. <laughs> <laughs> you are all communists. Uh, so, you know, it's sort of tough and like uh, in that sense. So I, I, I think that I'm sure is a big part of it. Um, but also I, I kind of feel like another thing is, is, you know, once you have public property involved, it becomes very murky from a libertarian perspective, you know, yeah. like you, do right. you look at the government as a private individual owning property that then they should defend it? Or is it, Oh, well, nobody owns this property, but then it would just be like, whoever gets there first owns it. Like we just yeah. homestead it. So the, the commies are trying to homestead this federal building. And, you know, so I, I mean, I don't think either of them feel very good as they mm -hmm. do. None of that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I heard uh, Dave Smith was, it's, it's a very similar argument, I think, when you talk about the border and open versus closed borders. And Dave Smith was saying, you know, sort of a similar thing, I guess, but he, he made a, he tried to use an analogy of public schools. He's just like, okay, you know, while yes, I am completely for like ending the department of education and, you know, closing all these schools and just have private schooling or whatever. Um, he said, but I mean, I will say like, I do have opinions about what happens there while right. they're open. And yeah. one of them is I like closed borders on my schools. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> want just like some junkie to be able to walk in and so start shooting heroin in like my kid's classroom. Like clearly right. there are people that are allowed and not allowed. And Bob, he's like, you know, and he, he said, I think that that's something that, all, you know, any of us would probably agree with, or, or at least a very large portion. I mean, 
certainly, yes. Like, I don't think junkies should be allowed in kindergarten classes. Um, so that's like right. a closed not, not order. Every public building can be used for any purpose at any time by anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah. So that, like, I think that there's some similarity. I mean, and in this sense, like, it... Again, like, we don't know what happened. So if we assume that the protesters initiated the violence, I mean, that's really, I think, what it comes down to. If the protesters started smashing up this building, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, like, I'm not, like, I then I, I feel like that I'm not going to get too bent out of shape. And if they just happen to be marching near it or whatever or just yelling at it and then, you know, Border Patrol agents just, you know, in, in anonymous black masks, they started, like, snatching people up uh, and taking them to secret locations. You know, all right, well, then, uh, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not down with that. Um, and I think for me, <clears throat> uh, it, it's hard to say because I feel like neither one of these groups has a good reputation in my mind. Uh, I think they both are notorious for initiating violence. So yeah. I think that is, I think I've just convinced myself that that is pretty much why I don't really care that much because yeah. I don't, either way, uh, you know, if if the rioters didn't strike first this time, then, you know, they would the next time. And, the same, and obviously, I mean, the federal government's, uh, transgression list of transgression is is a million miles long so right uh right. So, i mean people anyway. compare it to like there are other situations like the that that uh that nature reserve that like Ammon bundy took over you know the mm -hmm. federal government didn't rush in and like try to reseize it right away and shoot everyone you know it's like these people were on property that wasn't their own but prudence dictated that like maybe the best response is not one where you you rush in right away. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I understand that, that viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and, and, but there's, but there's like endless ways to spin this. I mean, if you look at any of the video footage, you've got people throwing bottles and rocks and like starting to set fires and knocking down fences and shooting the lasers into one side. And then the other side's shooting tear gas. And it's like, good luck figuring out who started it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and it's sort of similar to um, what's this guy's name? I don't think I wrote it down. Um, oh, I did. I think uh, I brought it up on Twitter. So the Libertarian Party tweeting, we bow our head at the passing of Libertarian Garrett Foster. At the time of the shooting, Mr. Foster was pushing his fiance through an intersection in her wheelchair. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about? The man in oh, Austin. Oh, I know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> about that description of what happened. It's ridiculous. And I'm not saying that it's definitely wrong. Um, I mean, uh, looking at uh, at least the videos I saw, I, they were they seemed so kind of garbled that I, I, I might have watched them one or two more times and didn't really feel any better. But to sort of assume that this guy is some libertarian hero is... It, pretty crazy <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that's that situation is like there's still a lot that's unknown so i'm not going to come out too hard uh either way but when you are stopping cars uh you are creating a dangerous situation 
Um, I am a big proponent of people being able to carry, to carry openly or mm-hmm. concealed. But you got to understand, if you are doing that, you are creating a situation where someone on the other side has to make a decision that they're going to feel like they might be a life and death one for them. So everything's going to happen faster and be amped up. Yes. Yeah. So you have to decide whether or not it's actually smart to be carrying like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, so number one, I absolutely agree. I think that the stopping traffic is one of the the weirdest places where somehow everybody looks at that as a reasonable tactic or something. And it's like, I mean, you're, you're essentially, you know, like kidnapping these people or sequestering just random people that are like driving on the highway that have nothing to do with anything. You have no idea if these people are for your cause, against your cause, nothing. You just, and these groups have done violence to uh, you know, drivers in the past. Yeah. So I, it, I mean, at in, that in, Wendy's in Atlanta, in Atlanta I saw pictures yeah. of the people just driving down that street toward that Wendy's. They yeah, looked they like they didn't even know where they were going. They tried to turn around when they saw the crowd. The crowd ran up to them and started punching them through the window. It's just like, yeah. And they okay. killed, I mean, they what killed the, the little girl. They killed the little girl. They killed oh, the whole God. like family. They shot them in the car, same area. And, uh, and nobody cared that. I mean, that's the, like, that's the thing that I can't give, like, all my friends a pass for. Like, the level of hypocrisy that they still will say, remember Breonna Taylor's name. And yeah, it's like, right. and can you remember the eight-year-old girl that was just shot yesterday by Black Lives Matter protesters right at University Ave, right where that dude was killed at the Wendy's? They killed a little girl. And, I mean, and, like, her father, too. And maybe even more than that. But, um, yeah, that... That is the the hypocrisy that I I cannot get past. That is yeah, just if like any other group, ignorance. Any other movement, once something like that happened, it would be like annihilated in the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah. So re- regarding this, I, I mean, I think I'm kind of with you with this Garrett Foster thing. Yeah. I, I I don't think that there is a ton to say about it. I mean, I think obviously this guy getting killed is is that that sucks. Um. You know, but like Lee said, so there's the you know similar thing. Like I I don't know, maybe these people just hated Black Lives Matter and drove up, got out of their car and just shot him. Like I, you know, I don't really know what what happened there, but what does disturb me, and maybe we can just end because um, I think we're kind of a little bit even past what yeah, we were, we're talking good. about. But um, is the is the Libertarian Party's take on it, and this is. An issue, um, there's a big divide in the Libertarian Party, and I feel like there is the the sort of, I don't know what you want to say, like more of the the sort of Austrian, like anarcho-capitalist side, uh, and then there's there's this sort of SJW, like social justice warrior, friendly yeah. side, and then I think there's probably a lot of people, you know, populating like. I don't know, like Reason Magazine type people that, but, I, you know, anyway, but I feel like the people that are kind of running the show are very much this very left-leaning, you know, putting out this message. Um, yeah. And I do have a, I mean, I've, I really struggle with the Libertarian Party supporting Black Lives Matter because, you know, the founders have like, 
they are communists. Like there's no, you know, at least some of them. And yeah. you can listen to them talk. Like it has, it is not this, you know, single issue thing. And you can start to get into a really hazy area of trying to separate the, I, you know, the movement from the organization or something. But it's like, I mean, one is definitely feeding the other. Like these are these are. I, I don't know how you split that up, you know. Um, and the fact that the Libertarian Party that Joe Jorgensen is so. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm probably going to vote for it anyway. But yeah, uh, like it's, it, getting, it's just so weird right now. I don't understand. Yeah, and this and this this headline or this tweet by Libertarian Party is is just. It in a nutshell, like I expect more from us than this. This is yes. what like the DNC would do or something or Fox News or CNN, you know, just like assume whatever your agenda wants and put it out there in this very like melodramatic fashion. Ugh. Yeah, it's I'm not a big fan and I don't know why they're behaving so weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty nasty analysis i like that <laughs> i mean really what are you gonna do like read their minds i don't you know i don't know right. but i don't like it and i don't know what's gonna happen i mean that it's like is it is there gonna be a shift back i know that a lot of these sort of austrian people their feeling is when you look at their audience it is much larger than the sort of opposition in the Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's Michael Malice and Dave Smith and Tom Woods and, and these types of people. Uh, and so they, I think their, their assumption, their strategy is that, hey, if we go into this full bore and like really put our support behind candidates, which... I thought they were doing already. This is what is confusing to me. Um, what's his name? Uh, what was the candidate that he used to be? He used to work with Ron Paul on his campaign. And, uh, uh, can't think of his name. His name. Anyway, we talked about him before on here. Yeah, or I, I did. Maybe, maybe it was before you were here. But anyway. My understanding was they all supported him. They all talked about him on their podcasts and shows and whatever they did. And didn't, you know, at the end of the day, Joe Jorgensen won. I mean, maybe you move the needle a little bit. Jorgensen isn't, you know, um, I, I think she's an improvement over Gary Johnson. But mm-hmm. so I think I feel like it's that or, you know, I mean, I'm certainly not as. Um, optimistic or enthusiastic about the libertarian party as i have been i mean i think just you know cycle after cycle i i'm you know lower energy i'm low and low energy pat on uh libertarian party uh i so yeah, I, don't, I don't i mean they're not going anywhere the our ideas are not popular enough but we can hope to just convince enough people to make some difference like within the mainstream that's yeah. like our purpose. That's our purpose. Yeah. I, I mean, but but right now, is the Libertarian Party even espousing these ideas? I no. don't know. No, they're not. They're just, they're, they're flailing around. They're waving their arms as hard as they can to get someone to pay attention to them. And for whatever reason, they think 
if they say exactly the same thing that almost everybody else is saying, they can stand out from the crowd. Yes. That's like the inversion of the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, th- like I could give them some advice, but they don't deserve it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could talk about it another time. Yeah. But yeah. like they're doing exactly the opposite of what you should be doing. The yeah. libertarian has a unique ability to draw attention to issues that are being ignored. And that is not the opposite of what they're doing right now. Right. Yeah. And I, I will say, and maybe we can just, we can wrap it up here. I will say yeah. though about, um, and I, I don't know. I, I personally have been feeling like, man, Trump, you know, isn't gonna isn't gonna win it. But I, I've actually heard a number of people that think that we're going to see something very similar this uh, this election cycle as last time. That there's just a ton of people, and even more. Like a lot, I, I've heard a lot of people very confident about Trump. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and not like card carrying Republicans, just. People that just sort of see all this stuff. And I mean, honestly, they, you know, weren't Republican, sort of like your, you know, your friend. I mean, probably in 2016, I mean, they didn't vote for Trump. Um, No, but now now they're like, I don't know. Like, I I guess, I mean, I I admit, like, if if it wasn't Biden, I think you would have had a chance. But Biden was like the only, like, in terms of policy, semi-sane person on that stage. So the Democrats, I think, are going to wind up being very lucky that they picked him if he doesn't keel over. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, are they going to debate? Anyway, I think like... Anyway, that's enough, yeah. Yeah, like your your advice about, um, you know, trying to not saying exactly what everybody else is saying and then somehow miraculously standing out in the crowd, I I think that, that they're is something very interesting to Trump's uh, tactics. You know, I, I think that he's, they're con- like, if you look on Fox News, and this was more like between the Tulsa and then before and after the next Rushmore speech that he did. But, you know, Fox News, there, there's just this kind of, very often the, the mood is to, to sort of, you know, put that olive branch out there. There's something to kind of appease the Black Lives Matter or the, you know, whatever, like say something mm-hmm. like to bring people together and bring people together. And I think right or wrong, and I feel like he won the last time, so you probably got to trust him. Like he may be all over the place on a lot of stuff, but I do believe yeah. that this is this kind of thing is up his alley. Mm-hmm. He's like, reading the nation and figuring yeah. out what to say. And I don't believe he cares that much about what he says. It's just, you know, um, in, in a moral sense, I think it's just like, you know, and it's tough. Like you've got to pick between these big chunks and you can't get them both. So you got to kind of figure out which chunks you can get and bring together. And does that equal enough of the electoral college to win the day? And yep. I think, in his mind, he has to like really hold his ground super firm, like like in opposition to all this this rioting and stuff. That yeah. that that no that that doing concessions, you're not going to win over those people, you know. Right. So you you the people that are like 
you know, because the riots are very unpopular, uh, from what I understand, I mean, the polling that they've done around it, I mean, most, like, it was something very high, like 70% of the people were were not, like, fans of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, like, I mean, that... Uh, Anyway, I'm not saying he's going to win. I don't really know. I mean, like you said before, I mean, I, I don't know, like, really how to predict these things. I sure as heck didn't predict 2016. I couldn't believe it. Um, but after that, I won't nearly be as surprised. Um, and I, I thought, I felt like I was sort of seeing through it a little bit, like seeing through the veil and seeing, like, man, maybe I do get this tactic. Uh, you know, yeah. because I'm so inundated with with liberals and Democrats that are just going nuts about what he does, and I think that it does affect me too. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not impervious to it. So, uh, but I think if I, I step back, I, I think that maybe he's uh, he's not so crazy, um, and wh- whether or not I'll be able to pull it off, I don't know. I, I think it just really comes down to like the kind of voter sort of demographics basically this i don't know if demographics is the right term uh, term but if there's just like enough republicans left <laughs> yeah yeah i uh i'm very bad at this game but i think anybody who says he has no chance doesn't is not being realistic right yeah uh, obviously obviously yeah, yeah. so all right well let's wrap it up good to have you back Glad we're back on the, the horse again. Uh, you know, I think we'll probably keep shooting to try to get weekly episodes out. And, uh, you know, stay tuned. Sounds good. Talk to you later. All right, Adam. Bye-bye.